We are in a series in the books of 2nd and 3rd John, and I would encourage you to turn to 2nd John. And as we begin this morning, we are going to read this letter in its entirety. How many times do you get to come to church on a Sunday morning and get to read the entire book of a New Testament book? And you can go to work tomorrow and say, guess what our pastor did yesterday? So we are going to read the book in its entirety, but that sounds worse than it is because it is only 13 verses long. So Second John, and I will be reading from the New American Standard. You can follow along in your copy of the scripture. The elder, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, For the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do so from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house, do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I have many more things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen chosen sister greet you. In this letter that the Apostle John writes to a particular church, we find from the letter of 1 John that this church is under attack. Not only are they most likely under attack politically with the Roman government, treating Christians with persecution. But internally, they are under attack. We know from the epistle of 1 John that there are those who were part of the churches in the area who began to deny the very person and work of Jesus Christ, and they left. And now they are, as false teachers, trying to convince others that Jesus really did not take on humanity, and there's really no need for the cross. And in the midst of this attack, John tells them to do two things that are applicable to us today. Two things to do when the church is under pressure, when the church is under attack. We most of all need to hold firm to the gospel and hold firm to each other. And John makes that point here in this little 
letter of 2 John. Then in verses 7 through 11 that we saw last week, he warns them. He warns them to not tolerate those who teach against the very fundamentals of the person of Jesus Christ. And now today, as we come to the very last two verses, the closing of this little letter, verses 12 and through 13, once again, John wants to encourage them. He tells them that he has a lot more that he wants to say. But instead of putting it into letter form, he wants to be with them. Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, there is great joy in the bond that we have in the person of Christ. One of my favorite places in the United States that I've been to thus far is the coast of Maine. Two summers ago, my wife Barbara and I went and I fell in love with it. We stayed eight days on the coast of Maine. And we came to a little town called York Beach, Maine. And while it was a nice town, there was something that my wife just loved about that town, and that was its candy store. My wife likes candy. And this particular store called The Goldenrod was unique in the fact that when you went into the store, you are assigned a personal shopper. That's right, you have a personal shopper that will stay with you the entire time that you were in the store. They don't go answer a phone call, they don't listen to anybody else, they belong to you. They walk with you through the entire experience from beginning to end. So if it takes you a half hour, if it takes you 45 minutes, you have a personal shopper who will get any candy that you want, will take it out of the big jars, will weigh it, will package it how you want it, will charge you for it. You have your own personal shopper, and my wife just had a ball, most of which the candy that she purchased went to our daughter-in-law's. Now, while I enjoy a nice piece of chocolate, I was not quite in my element as much as my wife And so periodically I would step out as she was in the midst of her shopping extravaganza and I would look at the cars because whenever I am in a place that's foreign to me, I always look for points of commonality, meaning Iowa plates. And so I always, wherever I am, I try to find Iowa plates. You know, like, hey, maybe there's somebody from Iowa that's in here right now. Wouldn't that be special? And I could see myself, if I went out, saw Iowa plates coming back into the goldenrod and trying to pick out the Iowan. I think I could do it. Most likely, the wife would be in the store shopping and the husband would have been sitting out in the car. But if I found Lynn County plates... I seriously would have embarrassed my wife to death, but I would have gone into the store and called out loud, who in here is from Lynn County, Iowa? I would have. I know myself, I would have done it. Because there's a bond there. We're both from the same county. And then we could have had a conversation. Now, it probably would not have lasted too long. We would have found out where we work, where we live, maybe what we think is the best restaurant in town, where we shop, and... It, 90 seconds at tops. And quite frankly, 
There's probably quite a few people in Lynn County that would not be that thrilled to meet me. And there's a few people in Lynn County that I prefer not to meet too. So it wouldn't probably last that long, but it's a bond. Now, that's not the kind of bond that John's talking about here. That's an external bond coming from the same place. What John's talking about is an internal bond. A bond that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ by means of the indwelling Spirit of God that comes into every life at the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And John says, in that bond, there's great joy. There is fulfillment, there is joy, there is peace, there is encouragement in the bond that we have in Christ. Remember, he's writing to a people who are hurting, a people who are under attack. And he's telling them two things. Hang on to the gospel and hang on to each other. And so we come to verse 12 in this close. And he's going to tell them, I so want to come be with you. Because if I can come to you and be with you and you with me, we will have so much joy. And he's going to tell them that just seeing the truth of the gospel lived out through the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ brings great joy. Notice with me verse 12 says, Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. Now, the little English word here, paper, is a translation of a Greek word that's literally the word for papyrus. The papyrus plant grows in the Middle East, and during this era, they would have taken that plant and taken the pulp or the center of the plant from within the plant and make a paper out of it, and uh, like a parchment. Most likely here, the Apostle John has written this entire letter on one sheet of papyrus. It would almost be like you going into your office and getting a real high fiber, nice piece of stationery. And here, John has this sheet of papyrus that they would have used to write on or do artwork on. And he's coming down to the end of it and says, man, I have a lot more to write, but I don't want to do it just with paper and ink. I want to do it face to face. And literally, John's the only one that uses this construction in his writing. It is mouth to mouth. Now, he's not saying, I want to come kiss you on the mouth. He's just saying, I want to be there with you in person. Why? Notice at the end of the verse, we see the purpose of why John wants to come. In the little words, so that. I have a lot more to say. But I don't want to write it down on paper and ink. I want to come and be with you in person so that your joy may be made full. Now, remember that our Bibles are translations of 
manuscripts. In the Old Testament, they are Hebrew manuscripts that would have been copied by hand and copied by hand and copied by hand. The New Testament are Greek manuscripts that are copied by hand and passed down. There are no original manuscripts of any of the books of the Bible, but there are hundreds, thousands of either partial or complete manuscripts of the Old and New Testament. In that hand-by-hand transmission, periodically a scribe would make a slight error. Those errors don't have anything to do with our faith system, but we see one of them here in verse 12 because... The New American Standard translates this verse so that your joy may be made full. All of the rest of the modern English translations that we would use here, the English Standard Version, the New Living Translation, the New Inter- uh, the uh, NIV, uh, the New English Translation, the King James Bible, all say our, so that our joy may be made full. And New Testament scholars are not, have not come to consensus on it if it should be our or joy. I think our is the best translation, not the one that the NASB hears. There's some older manuscripts that have our. And so what I think John is saying is this. I have a lot more to say, but I don't want to write it down on paper and ink because I want to come and be with you. Why? So that we can be mutually encouraged in our bond in Christ so that we can have full joy in our bond in Jesus Christ. John talks about joy in Second John verse 4. He says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth. It brought me, it, he was glad it brought him joy. In Third John verse 4, we read for in 3 John verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. And remember when John's talking about the truth, most likely he's talking specifically about the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross as payment for our sin and rose again. And John is saying, there's no greater joy than to see Men and women and boys and girls in local churches allowing the gospel to transform them. So that when you see them, you see Christ's life being replicated through them. That the gospel is transforming how they think. The gospel transforms their values. What's important to them. John says, I can't think of anything that gives me more joy than to see transformed lives. And so he says, I want to come to you. I want to come to you because we have a Bond, and I want to I want to bring some more teaching to you that's going to encourage you in your walk in Jesus. And as you continue to allow Jesus Christ to transform you, it just fills me with joy, and I will fill you with joy as all of us mutually walk with Jesus together and see the Lord at work in each of our lives. John says, "There's great." encouragement. There's great joy in seeing the transformation of the gospel happening in people's lives. Those of you who are parents and have walked through parenthood for a while, 
know that the way we communicate with our children changes over the years. And and just when we kind of get used to one pattern of communication, we have to shift it again because they keep getting older and more mature and it changes how we talk. And and my wife and I have had to, we're still walking that journey on how to communicate effectively with our adult children. With my youngest son, I had to learn how to communicate with him. And one of the things that I have found is that some of our communication is nonverbal. He is still finishing up college and plays college basketball, and oftentimes I haven't seen him for months at a time, and I will walk into a gym, and I haven't seen him for several months, and he's out there in the middle of the court getting ready to play a game. It's probably not the best time for me to run out onto the court and hug him. So what... He has done for years is he just looks at me and he goes like this. <laughs> Which communicates, Dad, I'm so glad to see you. I love you so much. I'm so glad that you're here. And then I look at my son and I go, Which communicates, I love you too, son. I'll give you a big hug as soon as this game is over. You say, We have a bond. We have a bond between a father and a son. It's not external, it's internal. There is a bond there that we get great joy out of being together. And John says, I can hardly wait to come see you all. Because we need to be together. There's nothing more encouraging than seeing the gospel at work in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ now, just remember with me is, is what John's really talking about here is, is fellowship. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, John talks about fellowship very clearly. And he says this, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. That's our Greek word koinonia that we talked about last week. That you can have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So John is saying the fellowship, the sharing between brothers and sisters is not external, it's internal. It only comes one way, through being in proper relationship with the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. That's our bond. That is our source of commonality, the sharing that we have, this internal presence of the Spirit of God dwelling, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 9, in the life of every believer. Now, remember that we serve a relational God. If you would talk to your coworkers or a neighbor and, and actually have an opportunity to have some serious conversation with them, and ask them, what's important to you? What are you really searching for in life? Most people, whether they would use these exact words or not, would say something along the lines of significance, purpose, fulfillment, peace, And what John is saying to us today and what he is telling his original readers is that the 
only source of that level of fulfillment and purpose and joy and peace is centered in a person, in the person Jesus Christ. And just as God is a relational God, remember, there is a relationship amongst the Godhead. That God exists in three persons. One in essence, three separate persons. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know from Scripture that the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. God is relational in His very being. And as a relational God, He created us to be in relationship with Him and relationship with each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot fulfill our created purpose living the Christian life in isolation. That's not what we are designed to do. We are not to be a Christian that just reads our Bible and does not have any koinonia, any fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not what we're designed to do. God is a relational God. He's relational within the Trinity. He's relational with between Him and His created beings, and we're to be in relationship with each other. That's one of the motivating factors that that motivates the author of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24 to write, let us consider how to stimulate or to spur on one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There is a bond between brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. And John is saying within that bond, there's great joy. He says in 3 John 4, there's nothing that gives me more joy than to hear of my children walking in truth, walking in the gospel, allowing the gospel to be continually transforming lives. There's joy in the bond that we have between brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't wait to see you. And then he closes the letter with not just something that is trite like cordially John, but actually he closes the letter with a significant closing. It simply says, the children of your chosen sister greet you. Now that's important. Remember, this little letter opened up with John addressing the chosen lady and her children. And we talked about the fact that there are some Bible teachers that take that very literally, that he wrote this letter to a lady and her kids. Most modern-day Bible teachers don't believe that's the case because of verse 13. Because just as verse 1 says, the chosen lady, verse 13 says, the children of your chosen sister greet you. So what's the significance of the word chosen there? Chosen lady, chosen sister. Most Bible teachers today, and I'm in agreement with it, would say that the chosen is talking about the God's work of salvation. This is not just an individual person. This is a local church. 
John's probably talking somewhat cryptically here because of the persecution that's taking place during this era by the Roman government. And thus, if this letter would get intercepted by soldiers, it would not bring dire consequence to the original intended audience. So here, John says, the church, the local church from which I'm writing to you right now, they send you their greetings as well. Remember, John already talked in the very opening verse that he loves them in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. There's this bond in the gospel. And John's point is this. Not only within a local church, but there is a bond in Christ between local churches, between this church and that church. We are living in a day where we continue to feel the pressures. And I made a comment a couple of weeks ago that I really think in my lifetime we are going to see so much change that we will be suffering as churches. Maybe not to the extent that some are already suffering in other parts of the world, losing their life for Christ. But I think we are seeing a day where we will be accused of hate speech in this country for simply speaking what we think the Word of God says. And I think we'll see a day in my lifetime where we will be stripped of tax exemption because of what we believe the Scriptures to say. And it's important for us to remember as our culture continues to deteriorate and people start seeing a Christian Judeo ethic in their rearview mirror and don't even connect with that anymore, that it's important for us to remember this message of Second John that it's vital to hang on to two things, the gospel and each other. Not only within a local church, but all of our sister churches who have the common bond of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like John said in verse 1, but also all who know the truth, meaning the truth of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for us in the fact that he is God, that he died for us, rose again from the dead, and through faith in him we have peace with God. So John here, by giving this greeting from this sister church, is accentuating the fact that our fellowship is not only around the person of Jesus Christ within a local body of believers, a local fellowship of believers, but it's a bond that we have in Christ between different fellowships of believers, different local churches. We need each other. Faith Bible Church is part of a consortium of churches here in the Cedar Rapids metro area called Serve the City. There's over roughly 40 different churches that have as a common bond the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now we have differences. And this past Sunday night, a week ago, last Sunday, we had a joint worship service amongst us where Each of us, as as individual pastors, prayed for uh, three other ministries, and then we were prayed for, and in between those prayer times, there was music. We, as pastors, were assigned seats. And I was assigned a seat next to a young pastor in town who, throughout the entire time, whenever we sang, continually jumped up and down. 
he not only continually jumped up and down, but he jumped up and down and went in circles around and around and around and around. And I wasn't terribly comfortable. It, 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 it made me feel awkward. But as he was jumping up and down and going in circles, I'm sure he probably didn't feel real comfortable either next to me. Man, look at that old guy. He doesn't even love Jesus. He's just so stoic. He's not excited about his faith. Look at that guy. Man, he shouldn't even be here. And you know what? As, as I think about that experience, was God pleased with the worship of the guy that jumped up and down and went around in circles? If his heart was worshiping the Lord, you bet. Was God pleased with me maybe being a tad more still? If my heart was right before the Lord, you bet. This is my brother in Christ. And the people in his church family are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And the more the church comes under attack, the more we need each other. Now, there will be differences between local churches that may be so vast that we possibly can't do a joint ministry together, but we still have love for them. And we have to recognize that God can be just as pleased with them as he is with us if we are serving him from pure hearts. It's important for us to recognize that that other fellowship are our brothers and sisters. We need to speak highly of them. We don't need to be tearing down another church because of our differences. Within the bond of the gospel. You see, that's the key. That's what we talked about last week. If there is a local church that is has the gospel at their center, meaning what binds them together is their belief that Jesus is God, that he died for them and rose again, and he is the only way to be in right relationship with the Father. That is a sister church. And it's important for us to honor them, even though sometimes our theological differences may be so great that we possibly wouldn't do a joint service with them or a joint ministry with them, they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the more we are under pressure, the more we need to do two things. Hold firm to the gospel, hold firm to each other within our church family, and hold firm to our other fellow churches walking together Because there's great joy in the gospel. There's great joy in the, in, in the, in, in the bond that we have between brothers and sisters in Christ within a local church and between local churches. John's talking about fellowship. Fellowship around the gospel between brothers and sisters in Christ brings great strength. And joy. You may be here today, and as we've talked about being in right relationship with God, 
you're not quite sure what that means. Or, or maybe, as we have talked about the fact that we can know for sure that our sin is forgiven, you're not sure. I would encourage you, before you leave today, just stop back in our prayer room. One of our elders, one of our leaders will be back there and can give you some printed information that you can take home, take out your own Bible, and look up verses that show you how you can know that you're in right relationship with God through faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here and you're hurting today. I'd encourage you to go back in the prayer room and spend some time in prayer to our Heavenly Father who loves us before you leave this morning. Father, we thank you for Second John and the reminder to hold firm to the gospel and to hold firm to each other and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.